Today we are in Second Timothy again, and um, I thought I'll use Birmingham skyline this time. And um, I did hear that uh, you have wonderful young men with artistic skills. Okay, so hopefully we'll engage them to give us some background that will be meaningful for the church as a whole. But um, forgive me for stealing something from Google. Second Timothy. Chapter 2, and we read from verse 15. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. A worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Avoid godless chatter. Because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. Their teaching will spread like gangrene. Among them are Herminius and Philetus, who have departed from the truth. They say that the resurrection has already taken place, and they destroy the faith of some. Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm. Sealed with this inscription. The Lord knows those who are his. And everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must stand away from wickedness. Amen. Amen. Next slide. In a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for special purposes and some for common use. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments. Because you know they produce quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome. But must be kind to everyone. Able to teach. Not resentful. Opponents must be gently instructed. In the hope that God will grant them repentance. Leading them to a knowledge of the truth. And that they will come to their senses. And escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. But mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will become lovers of themselves. Lovers of money. Boastful. Proud. Abusive. Disobedient to their parents. Ungrateful. Unholy. Without love. Unforgiving. Slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying his power, have nothing to do with such people. There are the kind who warm their, worm their way 
into homes and gain control over gullible women who are loaded down with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires, always learning but never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so also these teachers oppose the truth. They are men of depraved minds who, as far as the faith is concerned, are rejected, but they will not get very far because, as in the case of those men, their folly will be clear to everyone. Amen? Let's pray. God in heaven, your words are truth. They are powerful. In here you instruct us to be men and women who do our best to present our self before you as people approved, who are not ashamed and who handle the word of truth. Open our hearts and minds this morning as your spirit leads us into your word. We do thank you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Timothy is receiving a letter from Paul who is about to die. We've gone through before. Chapter 1, he he begs him to guard the gospel given to him. Chapter 2, he said, please pass this gospel on. And here, he's telling him, Timothy, I want you to be a man who is not ashamed of the gospel. So my next slide will be two points today. And I also want you to correctly handle the word of truth. These scriptures are important. I personally feel burdened by the things we encounter nowadays as Christians. Okay? We are in a world where Satan is using false doctrine to swear us away. And it's very subtle. And when Paul says to Timothy, I want you to be a man who is not ashamed of the truth and correctly handles the truth. It's a very vital message for our day. For ourselves, for our children, for our future grandchildren. So the two points I want us to think about today is um, one, Christians should not be ashamed of truth. And I'll come to that in a moment. And number two, Christians should correctly handle the word of truth. If we don't handle it correctly, we destroy each other. In fact, we destroy ourselves according to the book of Peter. We distort the word to our own destruction. So the word of God becomes very important. But it begins by saying, do your best. Do your best. Okay, and um, some children just got their A-level results. I'm sure they did their best in studying for the exams. You probably passed your driving test. You did your best in, in, in trying to get that. But yesterday I had an experience of a guy who thought he was doing his best. I went to the barber shop yesterday. Okay. Now, 
Okay. And um, for the past 10 years, once a month I'll go to the barber shop. It should take five minutes, okay? I get in there, I sit in the chair, he said, how do you want it? I say zero. <laughs> he understands, and he's gone, and five minutes I'm out, and I pay five pounds. Okay, that's my tradition for the past ten years. Once a month, barber shop, five pounds. Okay, so how, how much are we talking about? So my budget for 600 pounds for the past ten years, I believe. So yesterday, I was looking for a barber shop in Sutton Coldfield. Uh, yeah, good luck. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so the first barber shop I went to, the guy said, Oh, I haven't done hair like yours before, but I don't mind trying. <laughs> So I thought, uh, it's not a good idea. So I walked out, gently. So I thought, so I walked around, I couldn't find a barber shop that would do my hair. So I thought, okay, I need to find a place, I need to do my hair. And um, so I walked to Nando's. They don't do hair there, there, but I may find people who may know where to find my hair. So I walked to Nando's and the young lady I said, Look, do you know somewhere I can find a barber shop? He said, Yeah, you need to walk up that way. So I walked up there and I found a barber shop. And I thought it to be five minutes and five pounds and I'm out. So I sat in the chair, the guy touched my head, and the next time I knew, he scooped this cream, white cream, all over my hair. And I thought, that's strange, it's never happened before. <laughs> okay? And I thought, okay, let me wait, I shouldn't complain. I told him, I told him zero, so he should know what he's doing. So next time he comes with a hot towel yeah. around my head, I'm thinking, that's never happened before. That's full service. And then um, he then wiped this white thing with this hot steam towel and goes away and he comes back and puts another cream on my hair and I'm thinking five minutes is already gone you know then he brings this landscape I was expecting this you know landscape then he will scrape a little bit and and almost one I'm sitting in this chair I'm thinking what is going on so he did it so slowly and he finished and I thanked him I thought wow thank you he said it's not done <laughs> so the next thing he does he puts some cream on my ears okay I don't know what it is but it was warm two minutes later this thing is like plastic and he saw and he was taking it out and he saw I said why what are you doing he said it's waxing I said what I didn't ask you to wax my I've never done that in my entire life. What is that? This pain and then this pain. And I I said to him, look, for the past 10 years, I sit down, I pay five pounds and I'm out of there. So how much are you going to charge me? He said, oh, in that case, 10 pounds. I said, you mean it would have been more than 10 pounds? He said, of course. So I gave him 10 pounds. And I walked out. 
So, it, it, it went over my budget. I think if I had bought £4.60 return ticket to Central Birmingham, I would have probably paid £5 for my haircut. But the point is, the guy did his best. I can assure you, I've never had such treatment. The guy did his best. And uh, every question said, no, 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 it's all part of it. Every person asked, I said, what are you doing? So it's all part of it. But I thought, wow, he took time. I mean, five minutes normally for me, and I was sitting in that thing for almost one hour. Okay, what is my point? Paul says to all of us, we need to do our best. We need to do our best. And we need to present ourselves as people approved. When you pass that driving test, it shows you are approved to drive. People will be receiving their degrees in September because they have passed the exams. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. People will be entering university. We need to be people approved. But the first thing is, um, we should not be ashamed of God's word. Next slide. Do I have uh, something to... <coughs> no, back again. Yeah, thank you. So the first thing is, we should be people who are not ashamed to say the Bible is God's word. Many people are ashamed to even say that. Many people are ashamed to even say the Bible is God's word. And yet David, when he was speaking in the Psalms, referred to the scriptures as God's word. Jesus referred to the Old Testament, Mark 7, as God's word. In chapter 17, he said, your word is true. Paul refers to the scriptures, Romans 3, as God's word. In fact, that all scripture is God-breathed. It's from God. Peter will tell us, even though written and delivered by men, they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And it is important that as Christians, we see the Bible as God's word. Of course, you go to many places where people will tell you, you are mad. In believing the Bible is God's word. But as the first battle, we shouldn't be ashamed to be able to say it is God's word. The next one is we shouldn't be ashamed that it is truth. What do I mean by that? We have come into an age where in the secular context, what they call relativism or postmodernism, the mindset is that there is no certain as truth. There is no certain as truth, they say. That's the culture in which we are. You can believe whatever you want, but what's true for you is not true for me. That's just your truth, not mine. All truth claims are relative. There is no such thing as absolute truth. So if there is no absolute truth, then there is no absolute right or wrong. Do you get where that is going? When it comes to Christianity? This is Abraham Edel's poem. It all depends on where you are. It all depends when you are. It all depends on how you feel. It all depends on what you feel. 
It all depends on how you are raised. It all depends on what is praised. What's right today is wrong tomorrow. Join in France in England sorrow. It all depends on points of view. Whether you are in Australia or Timbuktu. In Rome, do as the Romans do. If it is just, just happen to agree, then you have morality. But where there are conflicts in trends, it all depends. It all depends. Nothing is absolute. Relativity. Relative. How does it affect us today as Christians? We come to the what we call the doctrinal relativism. Relativism. So again, there is no true or correct meaning of any statement in the Bible. Even if the Bible is accepted as the inspired word of God, we cannot be sure what God meant. Or what any, and of course in the end there is always that we have every wind of doctrine. But that is okay. That's what they say. This is the enemy of Christianity today. And we are afraid to stand and insist on truth. Because we become bigots, don't we? Who are we to insist on truth? But God, Jesus said, your word is truth. We follow Christ. He insists there is truth. Amen? In John 8.32, when we do the word study with people, don't we use it? Yeah. Then you know the truth. Yeah. And the truth will set you free. Jesus says to us as Christians, we will know the truth. And the truth will set us free. If we seek, if we ask, if we knock. Amen? Yeah. It is achievable. So these relative thoughts going round, thinking, oh, they agree on that, I agree on that, is fine. It's relative. That is the enemy of the cross. John says that in his letters. Paul says that in his letters. This perception that we can't have truth. Therefore, everything goes is so wrong. Jesus said, we know the truth. And the truth will set us free. Let me tell you a few things that if you need a truth about, it will set you free. If you need a truth in relating to Christian living, you need the truth about repentance and it will set you free from the love of sin. Amen. Amen. If you need the truth about the Holy Spirit, it will set you free from the power of sin. Addiction. And now, isn't it interesting that we have been forgiven of our sins when we became Christians and yet Christians are addicted to sins? Do you know why? They have no concept of the Holy Spirit. They allow Satan to run the show. Goodness gracious. We've been set free and still people are addicted to smoking, to pornography. And you know why? Because we have allowed Satan the foothold. If you knew the truth about the Holy Spirit, you'll be free from the power of sin. If you need the truth about the wrath of God, you'll be free from the complacency towards sin. If you need the truth about Satan, 
you'll be free from the domination by demons. If you knew the truth about God, you'll be free from idolatry. If you knew the truth about sin, you'll be free from pride. If you knew the truth about grace, you'll be free from legalism. If you knew the truth about love, there will be no selfishness in you. If you knew the truth about hell, you'll be free from indifference towards the lost. And it goes on. If you need the truth about baptism, you'll be free from false assurance. You'll be secure in your salvation. Amen? If you need the truth about justification by faith, you'll be free from doubts about your salvation. If you knew the truth about the resurrection of Jesus, you'll be free from fear of death. If you knew the truth about the cross of Christ, as we heard in the communion, you'll be free from judgment. Fear of judgment, fear of hell, which is exactly what he shared. Because the truth about cross, that's what he does. Guys, we need to go into the Bible and know the truth. Jesus said, you know the truth. And Christians, we need to stop being lazy. It's okay to come here and hear somebody say something. But please, take the Bible and read. And not just read, study the Bible. Be a Berean. Study the Bible. Because you know the truth and the truth will set you free. If you need the truth, about creation in God's image, you'll be free from low self-esteem. Most of our children struggling with self-esteem, including the adults, including me, I have very low self-esteem. I have to go to the scriptures always and remind myself I'm created in God's image. If you know the truth about forgiveness, you'll be free from guilty feelings the shame and the past. If you know the truth about the church, you will not be lonely. If you know the truth about heaven, there will be no self-pity. It goes on. Guys, we should not be ashamed of standing for the truth. The philosophical world will tell you, it's all relative. It is not. There is truth. And the doctrinal world will tell you, oh, you can be saved anyhow. No, God had one way for men to be saved. That's right. And it is the truth. Point number two. We need to hand correct the truth well. We need to correctly handle the word of truth. In matters of doctrine and salvation. And in matters of personal righteousness. And we'll go back to those scriptures we read. Who are those who corrected? Paul says, The person approved will be one who avoid godless chatter. Wow. Because those who quarrel about words become so ungodly. Mm-hmm. Guys, brothers and sisters, in our conversation, 
Let's avoid godless chatter. Amen. In our conversation. Do disapprove, rather, go into foolish and stupid argument. And it produces quarrels. Their teaching spreads like gangrene, he says. The approved person is that the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach. When I was a young Christian, my favorite thing is to go out, I was so quarrelsome, and argue with Jehovah Witnesses. I didn't go to evangelize. The Mormons, I see them with the elder Vajra, now let's go for combat. The Seventh-day Adventists, the Jews, do are nearly got converted by a rabbi. <laughs> I thought I was converting this Jewish man. He was a rabbi. I didn't know that. He invited me to his home. By the time I left, I came to the conclusion all Christians are apostates. <laughs> Praise God for the class Jacobi. <laughs> he sat with me and taught me the scriptures. <laughs> but it was a good experience for me. But I went to argue with a guy. And he said, well, come in, I'll make you a cup of tea. Let's talk about the Bible and Christ. Did you know he was a rabbi? Anyway, this scripture convicted me. I remember when a brother showed it to me. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but might be kind to everyone able to teach. Wow. Are you able to teach people right from the beginning to the waters of baptism? And indeed continue teaching them. Aim for that standard. Able to teach. Don't argue. Listen. Let the word diffuse the arguments. Let God's word diffuse the arguments. Amen. Amen. Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance. Leading them to a knowledge of the truth. We are bringing people to a knowledge of the truth. Amen. Amen. And that they will come to their senses to escape from the trap of the devil. When you are studying the Bible with people, you have no idea Satan is stopping them. You are fighting a spiritual battle. Don't use worldly weapons. Let God do the world. Gentleness, kindness, able to teach. But the opposite is that their teaching spreads like gangrene. Okay. I, I took a photograph of that. Gangrene is a localized death and decomposition of body tissues, whatever, whatever. But look at that. Can you imagine that? If this thing is not amputated, this person will die or treated. You understand what I'm saying? In the same way, guys, if your hand causes you to sin, what do you need to do? And false doctrine needs to be cut off. It will infect you. It will kill you. Spiritually, you will die. Why does Paul use that word? He knows exactly what he's saying. Their teaching will spread like gangrene. He knows exactly what he is saying. And we need to watch out for that. But Christians, we shouldn't fall for that. We should be able to handle God's word truthfully. In matters of doctrine and salvation. Amen. So know your word. Know your word. 
It matters of personal righteousness. We need to fight our battles. The people who are proved strongly believe that everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. When you become a Christian, it doesn't mean you are not going to sin. But we turn away from wickedness. Amen. He said, flee the evil desire of youth and pursue righteousness. We flee from evil desire. And what are we doing? We are pursuing righteousness. That's the difference. Before I became a Christian, I used to rush into sin. I have a bunch of friends. And when we meet, guess the conversation will be. Which girls we took to the disco that night? What happened? We were comparing notes. We were boasting the number of girls we had. We were rushing into sin. When I became a Christian, I was running away from sin. I was running away from sin. And we should do that. We should run away. We should pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of pure hearts. Those are the men approved. Those disapproved, he said they are full of evil desires. They will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, no self-control, brutal, lovers, not lovers of the good, treacherous, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. That's the difference. But you need to decide. You need to decide. So brothers and sisters. On reflection. Paul calls Timothy. To be one who does not need to be ashamed. Of the word of truth. We should not be ashamed of the Bible being God's word. Amen. Amen. We should not be ashamed of insisting on truth. On any subject. There is a truth as to how one needs to be saved. There is this truth as to the working of the Holy Spirit. There is the truth on sexuality and gender roles. All these things are in the Bible. We should not be ashamed of going to the scriptures and insisting on it. No matter what the world will say. No matter what the world will say. We need to stand for the truth. And we should be people who correctly handle the word of truth. We should be careful how we handle God's word. There is um oh is it Marilyn? I la- Marilyn was talking. Marilyn's dad was a, a Church of Christ minister, and on this subject of just people just pick the Bible and they say, "How am I going to do for my quiet time today?" They close and okay, let me open. Okay, now I'm in Mark five, so that's my quiet time today. Tomorrow. Thank you. Tomorrow I'm in Timothy and that's my quiet time. There's no consistent. Okay? So this person opened the scripture. I think something like um it was about a cross. Okay. Jesus went to the cross. The next time he opened, it was about Judas. Go hang yourself. Okay. Now. If you study the scriptures that way, 
mm-hmm. and you said, I'm going to follow it, you get yourself into a mess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There should be a context. Mm-hmm. There should be a bit of hard work. Mm-hmm. Who is writing? When? Where? Why? Who is receiving? What is the message? We need to be men and women who stick to God's word and to the truth. So let's do our best. I have incredible dreams for the Mervingham Church. And the dream will be we'll mature in God's word. That is what Ephesians 4 calls us to. That he gave all these people so that we will become mature, complete in God's word. When we become that, believe me, when we get here to worship, it will be amazing. Because we are mature in God's word. We are singing God's word. We are singing to our God. We don't come here because somebody said you must be at church. Man, we are looking forward to being together. Because we are mature that way. We are self-initiating disciples. That is maturity. When we are mature, the great commission will be fulfilled. Because wherever we are, we are sharing our faith. We are teaching the truth. You understand what I'm saying? When we are mature, we care for the poor as was shared. However, if you, if as a church we decide to put, oh, our aim is evangelize. Our aim is great worship. Our aim is less of the poor. Then we'll miss the point. We'll be doing those activities, but we're not mature. And you burn out. <laughs> and you give up. But when we're mature, we'll reach out all the time. We'll feel for the poor all the time, because that is God's heart right there. When we meet to sing, my goodness, it will transform us to a different level. Amen. Because we are mature. That is what we are called to. Let's do our best. Thank you very much.